to Very Amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and if it sounds like I'm struggling to get the words out, it's because I am! I'm coming to you from Colorado, where I am back. I'm back in the same room that I launched the podcast from last... Who knows at this point in time is a construct uh, last summer, last August. I don't, re- I don't even remember when I launched this. We're coming up on a one-year anniversary birthday situation. I should really look into that so I can have an excuse to buy myself a whole ice cream cake because you know I will. Um, I'm back. I'm back in the room that I launched it in. We are spending the next who knows how many weeks in Colorado because why not? We're still doing work from home. Everything's still remote. And so why not be able to walk around a beautiful state when I am not tied to my computer? It's been real great so far. But the one thing I did forget about was that uh, recording audio where you typically breathlessly talk on and on and on about theme park stuff is hard because I can't breathe here. My little Chicago baked body, my my Chicago style hot dog salad of a body, which had never experienced altitude or anything higher off the ground than say the Sears Tower. I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't adjust the altitude here. I can't do it. So I'm doing my best and I didn't realize, oh, right, that's a thing when I'm here until I recorded something yesterday that was 45 seconds long. Just 45 seconds. It was about five sentences and I had to go back and edit it because I had to, in between each take, go... because I can't breathe here. So sorry if that came through really loud. Um, Apologies to Jeff, too, if you're editing that. Whoops. Anyway, uh, today is a big day because not because of the podcast. Get out of here. Because today is the last episode of Loki. Loki is ending today. If you were listening to this the day it comes out, I just can't believe that we went through like a real, a real Marvel Cinematic Universe drought during the pandemic. And now Loki's done. Black Widow is out. It is so much at once. And I am thrilled to be back and just enraptured by these stories. We're back, baby. We're back. We can watch new Marvel anytime we want. Comfort of our own home. Oh, it's so good. As you know, I just digest just, just, taken in so much low-key MCU content when I am not working on the podcast to the point where I went to sleep last night and the theme of Loki, the TVA theme, which you can stream on Spotify, you can stream episodes one through three, uh, it was stuck in my head in instrumental theme. So I maybe have consumed too much MCU content. I got to take a step back. I got to take a step back and focus on theme parks and Halloween, which is right around the corner, which I cannot wrap my head around. For so many months, I've been like, October 1st, Disney World's 50th. We're good to go. And then it's like, oh my God, Halloween on both coasts. I didn't forget about it, but it's coming so soon. I forgot how soon it is. I forgot that everything between like June 25th on is just schmooshed. It's just like, surprise, it's Halloween time, even though it's blisteringly hot outside. I forgot. I forgot what it felt like. And I guess in a way, it's good to be back. Though I don't know if I'm ready for a, a, a pumpkin latte. I'm not ready for that yet. Anyway, holidays aside, this week, we are kind of talking about the last year in summation in a way that you may not be expecting. This is a Disneyland at Home episode, but it's a little different from what other coverage has been. So with that, let's turn it over to Future Me with this week's episode. A Disneyland at Home episode in July 2021? Just stick with me on this one. It's been over a year since the concept of Disneyland at Home came into our lives. Disneyland and Walt Disney World closing due to the pandemic for more than a few days itself was a historic paradigm shift. Lengthy, unforeseeable closures of Disney parks worldwide led fans and families to become creative while quarantined within the walls of their own homes. From homemade haunted mansions to makeshift magic band readers, we've seen plenty of examples of that theme park magic brought inside one's house in the past 16 or so months. But this week, we're speaking with two people who created very different homages to Disneyland within their homes that are still drawing excited Disney fans in on TikTok, even as the parks themselves are now open. First up, we'll hear from Mark Eaton, director and top contender for World's Best Dad. I first discovered Mark's creation, an at-home version of one of Disneyland's rides, from my friend and Halix director, Matthew Serrano, who tweeted, How is no one on here talking about this dad who built Star Tours in their garage for their daughter's birthday? Well, today, Matthew, 
We do! It ends up Mark isn't just incredible at building Star Tours at home. He's full tilt gone about recreating some of the best parts of Disneyland, including a real spinning teacup and, believe it or not, a full permanent riff on Adventureland in his own backyard. It has artwork and signs and props and animals and an homage to Jungle Cruise and plant life and Spanish moss, and we're actually not even really going to talk about it because we're talking about the other stuff, but he fully has rope swings and like a rope swing on on like a zipline thing. It's bananas. It's incredible. And I'm so jealous of his kids and everyone friends with his kids. But his home version of Star Tours, the original version, I'll add, is something else. If you're like me, you've seen plenty of makeshift versions of Disney attractions over the past pandemic year. But Mark's is just transcendent. It works, even if it's much simpler of a design than meets the eye. Clearly, this wasn't his first rodeo, but when his daughter requested a Disneyland-themed birthday party, well, it was a big ask for most parents. But for Mark, it was more of an opportunity. Here he is discussing how it all happened. My younger daughter, Way ahead of time, she told us that she wanted for her next birthday, she wanted a Disneyland-themed birthday. Part of the reason I think she requested that is because at our house, we already have some stuff that I've been tinkering with for years now, which is we have our little adventure land, and we have our little tiki room. And um, she thought, you know, we just do Disneyland because we have those things. And I think she was kind of figuring that's all it would entail. But for me, you know, I waited, I, I let her sit on it for a little while. I didn't want to force it, but inside I was like really excited because I was already thinking of cool stuff we could do. If I'm being honest, that first night after she said it, I had already figured out how to do the spinning teacup and the <laughs> star tours, right? In my head. <laughs> My wife, when she got on board, she she agreed that our kids are getting older and there's kind of a closing window in which they're going to ask for things like this and, you know, fully appreciate them. And so for us, you know, we have always loved Disneyland and, you know, I have the like, we have our little adventure land and stuff. How did you level up from having like a fun adventure land in your house to fully building star tours? Like, how did you go from that to that? You know, we thought like, this is our opportunity to do something really cool with something that we like, and we already have some of these elements. And so all these ideas started coming, and it seemed like, you know, we want to do more than what we already have. What would be, what would blow these kids' minds? You know, if you're doing a Disneyland theme, the best thing you could possibly do is to actually have rides. So from there, you know, I was thinking, what could you do sort of inside the house? And then the reason that we did the spinning teacup and and star tours is because those are both stationary rides. You know, they move around a lot but they stay in one place but then every time i kind of started scaling back like oh we actually can't buy a bunch of crazy stuff it started you sort of simplify it and figure out a way that you could make it work that's not really all that complicated can you break down the construction process of your version of star tours in the spring of 2019 i had actually already built the teacup And I had started building the Star Tours, and it seemed like, okay, if you have a screen, you can attach a bench seat to the same thing and, you know, move it around kind of in sync with that. So I I built the the sort of bench seat, and then I had built the base, and then because of COVID, we kind of, we had to stop everything, and the teacup sat in our garage for a year. This is what I feel like people might be disappointed, and I hope it's not too disappointing for you, but that's what, it's it's really, really simple. You just had to think about it for a while, so it's like a very sturdy teeter-totter, or, you know, like a seesaw. It's that simple. It's an elevated, really supported crossbeam that goes underneath the bottom of the ship, and it's beveled sort of front to back and left to right. And then there's a large bolt like a peg that comes up from the center of that through a hole in the bottom of the ship. It's funny that people think that maybe it's on some kind of uh, actuators or hydraulics or whatever, but no, it's manually operated. So 
during the party, it was my neighbor, Jason, and I were operating it together. It's funny. It's actually quite silly. It's hopefully knowing that adds a little charm to it, maybe makes it less impressive, but... It's still, it's impressive, though, because it looks real. And, like, the people who are on it are ha- seem to be having as much fun as if they were on the real thing. But did you, did you, like, learn, did you learn ride choreography? So I remember riding on it. And I remember when I was a kid, like, oh, you know, when it does this, it kind of makes that movement. But then, honestly, when I was trying to find the ride film on YouTube, I stumbled across... There's behind the scenes footage of what that ride is actually doing on the outside. So it kind of filled in a couple of gaps there. But other than that, you can kind of see what it's supposed to be doing. And it's just a matter. It didn't take a long time to figure out what you need to be doing. It's just a matter of getting the timing right. I don't know. It's really silly, to be honest. But hopefully it it comes off as a little charming or something. I mean, even the details, like there was a Star Tours sign that just mm-hmm. looked exactly like how, how did you make all of those small things? It's like a tracing whiteboard. And I've actually used it in some music videos and stuff where you just put sort of a template on the outside and it looks like it's an electronic sign. But what's so funny is I, I did one and I was like, oh, you know, I wish I could do more. I don't have any more of these light boards. How am I going to make an electric sign? And I realized like, oh, we have like 10 of them sitting around the house. They're just like iPads and things. And so it was just a matter of, oh, yeah, like I just put the image on that. And so there's a few of them in there. And it's actually super simple. <laughs> I, 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 the fact that this is all being referred to as simple when there was a, I mean, listen, there was a year when everyone was trying to do this at home. And I don't think that, save for the one dude who fully built a roller coaster in his backyard, like no one has executed it as well as you. And then you're out here <laughs> being like, it was easy. I don't know. Well, <laughs> That's thanks for saying that. I just think it's awesome that anybody yourself, you know, wants to even talk about it or hear about it. It's pretty wild. Like I think it's something more than a novelty for you know my daughter's birthday. Like, but it's you know the kids are what this was for. The kids are what it's all about. You know, and so I just hope people, maybe your listeners or something, realize like it's for these kids. You know, hopefully, especially during this time where it's like a rough year for everybody. It's just cool to do something that, you know, hopefully blew their minds. If Mark went big, Brandon Hardy went small. The scenic designer, director, puppeteer, and visual artist has racked up massive TikTok popularity, over 5 million likes, from his at-home version of Disneyland, which is absolutely unrideable. Kind of like Zoolander Center for kids who can't read good. You'll never fit through the front gates of this at-home Disneyland because it's a model, a miniature version of the park that gives viewers on his popular TikTok channel a bird's eye view of the park straight from his apartment. I reached out to Brandon to find out what compelled him to create something so vast and detailed, and the answer I got was not what I expected. I could instantly tell there was a special quality to this build that set it apart, but what I heard was a story of perseverance, an artistry that goes beyond what meets the handmade cobblestone surface. If you want to understand what this creation is really like before you listen, I recommend you visit Brandon's TikTok page or Instagram page, both of which are linked in the show notes. If not, just know that this is a tiny yet somehow massive Disneyland model made by him taking up a significant portion of his home. Beyond that, though, our conversation itself is a very interesting reflection on process and how we interact online and what it's like to let strangers in and let them opine on what you're doing. You see, not all of us are outside living normal lives again. Not all of us have been back to the parks. And Brandon's thoughts about his project really tap into the space between quarantine and the stage we're living in now, where not everything is normal and we're all figuring it out as we go at our own pace and that the connections we've fostered online and developments we've made during the course of this still have meaning. Like Disneyland at home at a time when we were stuck inside ours, it's a story of redemption, of determination, of connecting with others without doing so face-to-face, and of trying to make something out of nothing and seeing it all the way through. We spoke for a while, which I've condensed here, but it's a wild ride. Brandon is fascinating, and I had such a good time talking to him. This is not what I ever assumed Mini Disneyland's origin story would be, but I'm so glad I'm now able to tell it directly to you. 
Here's Brandon. For as much as I enjoy making things small, it is so much easier to make them big. Really? so much easier, I find. And I think that's because I'm used to working in a theatrical medium where, you know, I've, I've done some things for television and some things for film, but most of what I do is seen closest, like, 20, 30, maybe even 50 feet away. And so you have not only the opportunity to, like, make big statements, but you have the freedom to, like, not stress quite as much about the tiny, 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 intricate little details. Um, you do still want them to be there for the people on stage who are interacting or the people backstage who see what you made. You you know, you take pride in your work and you try to get things right. But but the level of, of detail that I've had to do here in mini Disneyland versus anything that I've done on Broadway, I look and I'm like, I've spent how many hours on this like tiny, you know, four inch tall figurine versus, you know, sometimes I look and I'm like, oh, I made a, you know, a puppet that was life-size six feet tall today and like one day and it was done. And this one I'm still working on like a couple weeks later. Um, so it's very, it, and you know, everything's a little bit different, but yeah. So for me, smaller is, is much harder. Um, oh my God. So you say that you started this at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, you were just like, oh, why not track, tackle this project that I have always wanted to do? But I, I'm realizing that at the beginning of the pandemic, we had no clue how bad this was going to get. Correct. So what was what was the scope of the initial project when you first began? Well, so there's, there's a tiny bit of backstory there, and I'll get into it a little bit just to give you some background. So back in January of 2020, um, I, like, I had a neck injury where I like slipped a disc and, you know, checked it out and it was fine. And they were just like, you pinched a nerve. You'll be okay, but you have to take it easy for like six to 12 weeks. Like cancel your projects. You're not working. Like, and I was like, this is, this will be fine. You know, I, this is the universe's way of telling me that I need to take a little break. So they said, if you want to work on something small, like take a little time off, do nothing, watch movies, sit there and like have good posture. I was like, okay, fine. And then they said, after that, you can like make some little things if you want. I'm like, okay, I can do that. That'll be fine. So what I actually started doing first was I pulled out my mini Disney World project that I'd always wanted to do because they had the monorail playset back in the day that they sold. I don't know if you ever saw at uh, Once Upon a Toy in downtown Disney, they had this big elaborate monorail playset set up and they had the castle in the middle, which was a playset you could buy. And they had a little haunted mansion playset and a spinning Dumbo and a spinning teacups and all these things. And of course, you know, at the age that I was when I went there and saw that, I was like, this is my dream. <laughs> um, and their little, you know, scale, HO scale train running through. Um, and so I, I saved up and came back the next trip and got a monorail and told myself one day I would have all of these pieces and I would build everything that wasn't a playset to go in between thinking that like, I don't know, that I was going to be an adult and have time and be able to do that. But then sure enough, the pandemic hit and I looked and I was like, you know, you'd been collecting pieces all these years. Maybe that's your project to like get yourself moving again. Just make some of those things like, you know, wouldn't that be kind of fun? And I didn't really think I would fully flesh things out, but I was like, maybe I'd make some of those things. Cue, you know, my, my like recovery week where it was like, okay, you seem to be better. You can start doing things again. I went out that night with some friends and literally the next day they announced that Broadway was shutting down <laughs> for the pandemic. No! Literally the next day. Um, so part of me was like, is this something I did? Like, was this like within 24 hours of them being like, you can go back to Broadway. Literally, literally within 24 hours of being told like, you're clear, you seem to be doing well and you know, you're fine. It was like, hey, by the way, remember how you just reached out about wanting a job back? No, defiantly no. But but no one else is going to have a job either, so don't take it personally. Um, and, you know, so I kind of looked and I was like, well, there's a lot to take in here. But maybe, maybe I'll just sort of continue my project. Maybe I'll just, this, maybe this is my chance to, among other things. I was feeling a lot of things in that moment, obviously. But... But, but one of the things was like, I guess this will be the thing that I do to sort of keep myself busy 
And, and maybe I will build all the other things. Maybe I will get to a point where I look and say, hey, mini Disney World is, is like complete, quote unquote. Obviously, you know, as Walt Disney said, Disneyland will never be complete. None of it's ever complete. But to the point where I felt like I've, I've achieved what I wanted to achieve with this project. Um, so that, that hit in July last year. Like, actually, 4th of July weekend. Wow. Oh, oh wow. I, I said to myself, I was like, I think I think everything's done. It was so huge because I had all four parks. I had the monorail running between. I had a little Skyliner. When they made the when the Skyliner opened, they sold little toys of the Skyliner. And I was like, great, let me get five or six of those and put them on a string between Hollywood Studios and Epcot. And and I had to set it up in the backyard because there was no internal space big enough to fit full large scale model theme parks. Um so that was what I did. And and unfortunately, it wasn't designed to handle the weather. So I knew I was like, I'm going to set it up one weekend when the weather's clear. I'll leave it out there for like two days, assuming that's fine. And as soon as it starts to rain, I'll have to, you know, run and bring it all back in. Um, so that was what happened. This is where the story gets said. Uh, back in November, I had a house fire. And... It, we, I, I won't get into the details. I didn't start it. Nobody in the house started it. It was, bleh. I'm okay. But, but 99% of Mini Disney World. Um, <laughs> and insurance, of course, did not know what they were looking at. They were like, what, what do you mean you have a model theme park? Like, we don't know how to value that. Um, and I tried to tell them, but there's only so much you can tell them. So, so ultimately found myself, you know, again, okay, thank God. Uh, living in a hotel for the first couple months of 2021. And then once I moved into an apartment, I looked and I was like, all right, well, your workshop is not accessible to you. The workspace you're used to having is not available. I lost all my tools. I lost 20 years worth of artwork. Uh, it was not great, but I'm okay. That's the most important thing. And thankfully, in a moment like that, it becomes very clear what is most important to you. And I was not thinking about any of that stuff. I wasn't thinking about mini Disney World. I wasn't thinking about my artwork. I was, you know, focused on making sure people got out. So, so it was like, okay, you know, that the important things happen. Um, but then I got into this apartment and I knew I was like, you have a little tiny desk space here, like a, like a tray table and you need to do something. So I got a glue gun, I got a Dremel, uh, I got a heat gun. And I was like, that's what I can replace right now. You need to do something to keep yourself busy, especially cause now we're like, working on the house, repairing things, blah, 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 dealing with all that mess. It's not fun. So I knew I was going to need something to sort of like keep me sane in the meantime. So I looked and said, I'm not in a position to rebuild mini Disney World. And even if I was, goodness, knowing what it took to do that, I can't, I can't even look down the barrel of that. But you know what? Maybe I'll do like a small mini Disneyland with the couple pieces that I have. I'll build it out a little bit. Um, and then... I had like a little table. I got a little folding table, like eight feet long or something and like three feet deep. And I was like, I'll do it here and it won't be to scale. It'll just be like a shallow, more like a diorama than a model. Um, flash forward, uh, what is it? Four or five months now. It got away from me. It's bigger than I thought it would be because I guess as my like therapeutic stress relief project, uh, I, I needed to relieve more stress than I thought I did. <laughs> And so how, this is how it's manifested. That's that's the long weird story. Oh my and that's god! <laughs> I I I mean I came here just because I was so impressed by everything you've built and just all the details. <laughs> oh, but I did not even realize how these these mini parks just kind of intertwined with your life over the past year what has it been like for you in what i think you would agree it was a very challenging year to every morning wake up and kind of be at disneyland <laughs> uh i i i don't think there's anything uh, pathological about that i think i think that's a perfectly rational reaction to uh to living through such trauma it definitely it's funny under other circumstances you know if even if i somehow ended up with the time but we weren't living through a pandemic you know i don't know that this is what would have happened i don't know that this is what i would have made um and i think 
it, it's funny because I remember thinking to myself after I did my mini Disney World last year, um, people had asked, would you do Disneyland? Would you do other parks? And I kind of told myself, no, I don't think so. Not now. And, you know, then all of a sudden something something really big happened to me. And I looked and I was like, you know, there were a couple months I was living in a hotel room, didn't have the space to do anything, you know, got lost in my sketchbook because that was like the closest I could come to creating anything. Um, and then got into a space here in my apartment where I did have more room and was like, what What are you going to do now? And, and was surprised to see my instinct be like, double down on a mini theme park. Like, like do another one. I was like, really? Like, no part of you thought a couple months ago that you had any, any interest in that. Maybe it's some sort of trauma reaction where I was like, I just need something comfortable and comforting and delightful. And I think more than anything, if you ask me consciously, what I think it was, was that I needed a project that I could do in a small workspace because I, I didn't have my workshop. I didn't have the things I was used to working with. I needed something that I could do little pieces of at a time that um, felt like a big project, but could also feel like a small project on the days where I, I was too overwhelmed to think about a big project. I'm not going to burden myself with, this is a whole park. You're doing a whole park. This is a big project. I was like, no, this is a tiny project. I'm just doing a little tiny wishing well. Like, this is easy. Uh, and just something that got me through that evening when, you know, when I couldn't sleep in the middle of the night, I was like, you know, I'll just do this tiny bit. But then you start to put them together. And all of a sudden you look and you're like, you're achieving something bigger than it feels like you're doing. You know, I'm working on a tiny little sliver of this. But when you put that puzzle piece in, all of a sudden a big picture forms. And so that was that was me cheating my brain, feeling like I was doing something big when I wanted to feel like I, I was doing something big but not overwhelming myself in the moments where I was like, I, I just need something small to do to get through, you know? Yeah, it's Very, like the, it's like the I, physical manifestation of trying to meet a goal. Kind of, yeah. I, I mean, really, that was what it was. I looked and said, you need something where you can just take little bites. You know, you can just do a little bit at a time because I didn't have the room to make a big thing. I was like, I, I don't even have a drill to like bust out if I wanted to make something bigger. So, you know, and I, I could get a drill. I could, but I'm trying to be judicious about how I reinvest in my tools and things like that. I'm like, until I'm working again, maybe I should, you know, work with what I have. Um, but look at Broadway what you've made with down. what you have. <laughs> well, it's incredible. You know, I, but it's funny because if, from here, it looks good. Like oh, I said come, before, come on now. I, come come I, on now. <laughs> I work in theater. So, so it is meant to be seen from the front of the park. And I swear to you, if I walked around back right now and showed you the back of the Matterhorn, you would you would say, why does it say pizzeria on it? And it's because it's made out of a pizza box that that I only did the front side of the Matterhorn. I'll tell you this, something that I realized, I think this past week, was that nobody has seen this but me in person. It's I am the only person who has even encountered this model. And then, of course, the people on TikTok who see me making things and I, I show them and whatever. But but that's it. Nobody has been like, oh, look at this. Hmm, that's kind of fun. I've gotten no interpersonal feedback. All I've gotten is is TikTok is, you know, and I post things on Instagram sometimes and on Facebook. But so I've gotten the response there. But that's it's funny because I. I guess I really, I only opened the door to mini Disneyland, I think in like February, I think as I started it, because I, when I did mini Disney World last year, I wasn't on TikTok at the time. And I was still, I was still very much in the theater mode of like, I'm going to build the things in secret, I'm going to squirrel myself away in the studio. And, and then there will be a big reveal, you know, and that was what happened. I didn't, I, you know, I told my friends what I was working on and things like that. But, but again, we were in a pandemic, so nobody else was seeing it. Nobody was coming over. And for whatever reason, I guess somewhere a couple weeks after that, my friends encouraged me to get on TikTok. They were like, we feel like, we feel like you might do well here. You might enjoy this platform. And I, I was just dreading it. But I was like, I'll sign up. When's the last time my friends really you know, suggested that I, I try something new? 
silly as it sounds, like, I don't know, let me give it a go. And I uploaded a quick video of mini Disney World just because I was like, who knows, maybe people will like it. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I closed my phone, didn't look at it for a week, and then came back and it had, you know, 100,000 views or whatever. And I was like, I've never gotten that level of traction on any platform before. Maybe I should try this for real. And that was when I started opening up my process a little bit. So it's it's been nice. It's really, I think it's been driving me to like add to things and make it better. And I get to see what people are most excited about. You know, I started Pirates of the Caribbean and thought like I'm going to do, you know, just a little representation of it. I can't build the whole ride. Uh, but then people looked and they said, can you add this pirate? He's my favorite. Can you add this one? He was my dad's favorite, you know, things like that. And I started to look and say, yeah, like, yeah, if you like it, you know, I love that pirate too. So hold on, let me just take an evening and I'll, all right, now he's in there. So it's been nice to have the feedback of like, you know, this is what people are, are interested in. They're responding to this video. They're responding to this element. You know, maybe I'll go a little further in that direction. But then I also balance that out with my own sort of impulse where, you know, I, I because it is a little bit like, art therapy in a way for me i i kind of am telling myself you know don't don't put the pressure on don't do things just because somebody says you should follow your instinct it's so interesting to me because a lot of the disney at home stuff kind of you know fell by the wayside after the pandemic stretched to as long as it has because it's yeah. currently still going <laughs> and there's just there's something about your your model your mini disneyland that is still compelling and still exciting, even as the parks are, themselves are now open? I have to be honest. I, I got a little nervous about that when they announced that Disneyland was going to reopen. And not nervous in the sense that, like, but my model! Like, you know, like, obviously it's more important that people get back to work and that we get back to a safe place and that we can safely visit Disneyland. Obviously that super takes priority. But I did wonder for a minute, I was like, am I going to have to like switch up my programming on TikTok? Like, are people going to lose interest? Because why would I sit here staring at a tiny fireworks show on TikTok Live when I could just go to Disneyland and go see the real thing? Especially actually now the fireworks are coming back. Like, here we are. We're the day is arriving. Um, and so I did wonder, I was like, are people just going to like, is it just going to fall off? Are people just not going to care anymore? But something I think that has been true is that even if you if you are one of the lucky people who can go right now, either because like you were living in California and therefore you were able, or now you just like you don't live in California but you have access, there are still tons of people who wish they could be at Disneyland today and can't. Hello? Like <laughs> myself included. Like I don't know when I'm getting to the park next. And so for me, there's something about this that's just like, that's okay. Like, you can be patient. This You've got something in the meantime. Obviously, I can't shrink myself down and ride the Haunted Mansion all day like I would like to. But but there is something that, like, sometimes you get, you turn on the lights and you play some music and you get down real low and you kind of look and you're like, yeah, that's, it's it's doing something. It's scratching some sort of itch, you know? What do you think you're going to feel like when you go back to big Disneyland for the first time <laughs> since this. Well, probably way less powerful than I feel standing over the model. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm probably going to be like, where did all these people come from? Like, I didn't have to wait in line for, for you know, to, to enjoy the monorail here in my little model. Oh my um, but I'm, I'm very excited. You know, I don't know when I'm going back. Disneyland is you know, accessible, but less accessible than, than, you know, other things, less accessible than, than, you know, <laughs> than my living room. Um, so I don't know when I'm getting there next. I'm trying, my sister was actually there the other day. Um, and then was sending me pictures and things like that and asked if I needed anything. And I was like, I don't, I don't think so. I'm sure I do, but I don't know. I couldn't even think about it. I was like, I don't, do I remember what's at the real Disneyland anymore? Now it really is starting to feel like the real thing. You know, some days I'll look and be like, I'm just going to put a little light in here. And I feel silly wasting my time doing that. But then you turn it on and you're like, that made a difference. That brought it that much closer. Like, you know, 
Um, so it's very strange. And I'm trying, like I said, I'm trying not to police my process for myself too much. And it's like, if that's what you feel like doing today, let yourself do it, you know? Um, but, but it, it is, I, I think it's a nice feeling to look and, and have the park to sort of compare it to digitally. And yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many hours I've spent in Google Earth, just like flying around, trying to zoom in, like, wait, but what's the backside of that look like? Um, and, and then, but then you see it come together, you put something in there and you're like, that really takes the whole model up a notch. You know, last week I put in the, the little gift shops in Adventureland, I put in the bazaar. And I just had a block of foam sitting there for the longest time. And I kept telling people, anytime I went live on TikTok, I would be like, ignore the block of foam in Adventureland. I just put that there to remind myself, like, something's got to go there eventually. And if you, I, I find if I put something ugly or, like, super boring where something cool is supposed to go, it, it pushes me to work on it. Because I look and I'm like, ugh, just get that out of there. It's driving me crazy. The whole model looks so dumb with that one thing sitting in it. But then you plug in the real thing and all of a sudden it's like that whole area just came to life just from that one shop. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's weird. I don't know. Oh my God, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> what would you say is the most rewarding part of it? Is it the process? Is it one thing that you built in particular that was difficult? Like, is there anything that when you look to you're like, I'm really glad I did that. That means a lot to me. I think... Truly for me, when it when it comes to life, is like when I put something on TikTok or when I go live and start getting feedback from other people that it is connecting with people like I just super didn't anticipate it. Um, and so I, there is still part of me that like forgets like other people like this, you know, like other people aren't looking at the faults here. You can you can enjoy it like there is that. And I think that's probably when I find myself enjoying it most is when I turn on the camera and say to people, hey, we're here at mini Disneyland. We're doing a thing. You know, tonight there's a fireworks show. Tonight there's a little phantasmic projection show, you know, on the phantasmic island, whatever it is. And people start saying like, oh, I just noticed this new thing. When did you add that? You know, or, oh, look, that's my favorite. Like, I can't believe you have it. And that's that's when I think I'm like in the pocket. I like took a week. I said to myself, I like sat down and really like let that digest. It was like, you're going to put your face out there and there are going to be some people who have nothing to say about it. There are going to be some people who have not nice things to say about it, you know, and you're going to, you're going to put your voice out there and like any feeling you've had about your voice in your life, someone on the internet is going to put it in words and put it in front of you and you're going to have to confront that. And I, I really just like took a few days and made up my mind that I wasn't going to let that get to me. It's been delightful, you know, and every now and then a troll comes along and I'm just like, eh, get out of here. I can block you, whatever. But, but I really, I didn't expect the positive reaction that I've gotten. Anyone who's uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. FrameBridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. I love the mementos I framed with FrameBridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, and even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer. And it thrills me to no end that because of FrameBridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. FrameBridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. 
To get started, head to framebridge.com because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's framebridge.com. Hi, Carly Wiesel. How are you? I just watched Happily Ever After um, for the first time since the closure of the parks um, back in 2020. And it was lovely and it's such a fantastic and fabulous experience. But I was wondering if you had a standard of the audience etiquette for a fireworks show. I feel like you are the right person to turn to this because there were a bunch of little things that drove me crazy, like the people who think they should film with their iPads up in the air or the people who add six feet to their head by dumping their children on their shoulders, et cetera, et cetera. People who put, use their flash to record the shows and take pictures, et cetera, et cetera. I was wondering if you had the standard and the etiquette of an audience for a fireworks show. Thank you. Love you. Bye. It's Zane. Bye. So here's the thing, because you know I have thought very long and very hard about this. Disney Parks fireworks shows are a lawless land. There is so much social etiquette that should be inherent to anybody going to these. And yet, poof, it all goes out the window to make sure that you yourself, like some survival tactic kicks in to make sure that you have the best view possible. I don't know why why nobody warns someone behind them after sitting there for 90 minutes, hours, saving a spot that, oh, by the way, I'm going to hoist my child up onto my shoulders. I don't know why it's totally normal that everyone just sits down forever and then people will hold a spot and have 9, 10, 11 people come join them five minutes before the show starts. I don't enjoy watching a wonderful, blissful show while my body is basically touching a stranger's which is why, as you've probably noticed, I haven't been over the moon about fireworks coming back because personally, I never liked being in that crowd anyway before I even viewed things through the lens of a pandemic. I always felt so closed in. And I've been lucky enough on occasion to be able to watch something like Happily Ever After, which I think is the best fireworks show Disney World has ever had. It is number one. I love it so much and I hope it goes on forever and ever and ever. But I have watched that from a special reserved section of the hub. And even there, I have gone to the show and had someone behind me scream at me, me who is very cognizant of all of this and just kind of picks up on every social cue that isn't being discussed. Someone yell at me because I was blocking their view because they were sitting, I'm not kidding, 25 feet behind me. I was standing maybe behind what, like two two rows of people, three rows of people, and someone sitting on the other end was like, how dare you come and stand in front of me? And I was like, where is that voice even coming from? So it's like sometimes you're the bad guy, sometimes you don't even know it. Everyone wants a prime view and they can't always get it. And it is a mess. It's a mess. That's why I just come back to the fact that it's a lawless land because what are you going to do? Have your child who flew all the way here not see the show because you refuse to hoist them up for another stranger's joy? You kind of got to put yourself first. It's like Hunger Games nighttime entertainment. You know what I mean if you've been to one of these shows. And frankly, as Midwestern as I am, I'm kind of like, that's that's just the way the cookie crumbles. That's just the way the Jack Jack cookie num num crumbles. Because I don't know how you could put someone else's viewing experience ahead of yours. Now, when it comes to the iPad stuff, I don't understand. I don't understand. Maybe you want a few seconds of it for your Instagram story, your Snapchat, your TikTok, something like that. Totally understand. But if you want a full video of this, and if you're not putting it on YouTube as as if that's your job and you're, um, you're monetizing it, things like that, if you're just recording it for yourself, put your iPad down. There's videos of it online. Just go to the Diz's video of Happy Ever After. You'll be thrilled. There's this great. Craig did a wonderful job. Like, why? But that's just how it is. And if you enjoy the show by holding up your phone, you're entitled to do that. You are more than welcome to do that. And if it stinks for someone behind you, too bad. So yeah, there is a lot of social etiquette that should be taking place during fireworks, but it doesn't. And I don't anticipate it ever will because you want to enjoy it the way you want to enjoy it. And I don't think anybody's willing to give that up for anyone else. Hey, Carly. I noticed recently that with the release of the new Boss Baby movie that Universal 
has now meet and greet with the boss baby in their DreamWorks destination section. And quite frankly, I find it unsettling. Uh, it's just a little too uncanny. It's creepy. It just reminds me too much of the failed mascot for the New Orleans Pelicans and the killer from Happy Death Day. So my question for you is, are there any characters in theme parks that you've second-guessed or just found outright creepy? Thank you. Now, before I get to your question, I must first say, squeeze me, because you clearly have not seen how pro-Boss Baby I have been on the internet. When that character debuted at Universal Studios Florida last week, maybe two weeks ago, I lost all my marbles because it is an unbelievable character greeting. Boss Baby in the flesh? Come on now, what more do you want out of these theme parks? Maybe you're you're not easy to please. Maybe you demand more from your parks. But me seeing a teeny tiny little executive having a, a character interaction that may or may not end up in me being like, I'm so sorry I didn't send my expenses for June. I'll do it next month, I promise. Just channeling that workspace anxiety in the parks by way of a fun DreamWorks character, sign me up. Now, Asher underscore Adams on Twitter posted an unbelievable video of said Boss Baby in Universal Studios Florida. And just the way Boss Baby moves, shake, shakes his, his little baby chest, shakes his little baby arms, it brings me so much glee. I need to meet this executive. I need to befriend him. I need to rise the corporate ladder to be on Boss Baby's level. So I apologize because you did not call the right hotline when it comes to just assuming that Boss Baby is creepy because I find him to be adorable and Perfect. Now, I will still do my job and answer your question. And I got to say, I did not know about the New Orleans Pelicans mascot until you called in because I don't follow sports. But I Googled it. And the story I'm looking at from USA Today says Pelicans is creepy mascot King Cake Baby entertains fans while roof leak delays game, which just proves how cursed this image is. It is of a, a tiny like, a, you know, like if you get a king cake, there's a baby inside. Uh, I know because I once got it at my friend Andrew and Jackie's party. It was very exciting. But they have a a, a, a king, king cake baby mascot. This is from 2018. I cannot imagine this is still in existence because uh, it's terrifying. So I will give you that one. That one is creepy. But Boss Baby does not deserve to be in a group with King Cake Baby, because Boss Baby, these are all babies. Maybe it's just babies. Maybe just baby mascots are weird. Maybe that's it. Anyway, there there are some characters that I will deem creepy when you meet them in person, but mostly it is Gideon. If you've ever seen Gideon from the Pinocchio and Friends cinematic universe, I'd say Gideon is a real creepy in real life. And usually when Gideon pops up at Disneyland Resort or something like that, it's usually at a nighttime event. So Gideon in the dark, not my cup of tea. Now, I'm going to be very choosy with my words because I know we have listeners of all ages. Hello. But I will say that I don't love... When Fairy Godmother travels to Tokyo Disney Resort, it's not my favorite experience when it comes to meeting that character. Also, Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether, same situation. I much prefer them on screen than in life, meeting guests in the park. It's just not the same. It's not as magical. But to take it back to the main issue, I think you should open your heart to Boss Baby and just just enjoy Boss Baby's presence at the parks. You know what I mean? Boss Baby's done a, lived, lived a lot of life in his short years, and I think we should praise him for working his way up the corporate ladder so quickly and not degrade him for being a big-time executive trapped in a small body, okay? Also, I know Boss Baby isn't an adult boss trapped in a baby body. I'm just I'm just making a joke. I know Boss Baby. I know him. He's just a baby who's also a boss. Who says you can't be both? Not DreamWorks. Oh, I love Boss Baby. I cannot wait to meet Boss Baby. Boss Baby for life! Hi, Kylie. This is Heather. I have a non-theme park question, but I just have to know. Who gets to pick the adjective at the end of every episode? Is it you? Is it Jeff Fox? I just love that it always changes. Have a great day. This is such a good call. I think them all of myself. I actually can never remember. I don't have a master list or anything, so I never know what adjectives I've used. So lately, I've been really digging deep to find stuff that has not been referenced before because I'm pretty sure I've used the same adjective three, four times in previous episodes. But yeah, it's uh, it's always a surprise. I haven't asked Jeff. I'm sure when he listens back to this episode, he'll let me know if he enjoys it or not. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I love working with him. He's the greatest. And I like to honor him in a very special way each and every episode. So yeah, it's just me thinking of words. And then if I get stumped, just Googling synonyms. That's all. There's no magic to it. Just uh, just me on the Googs looking up some descriptors. Okay, bye. That's our show! Thank you all so much for listening, and a very special thank you to Alexa, who first told me about Brandon Hardy's Mini Disneyland, and Matthew Serrano for tweeting about Mark's Star Tours. You can find links to Mark and Brandon's creations in the show notes, but you can find Mark Eaton's homemade star tours on TikTok at RickSavage64 or on YouTube under the channel name Disneyland at Home for Indy's birthday. You can find Brandon's work on TikTok at brandon.hardy.art, spelled H-A-R-D-Y, or on Instagram under the same username. His website, brandonhardy-art.com, has tons of original creations, including details about the puppet work he did on the Pee Wee Herman Show Broadway production. Trust me, I definitely asked way too many questions about it before we started recording, and this dude fully worked on Cherry. Cherry! You can find me at Carly Wiesel on Twitter, Instagram, or wherever else. And this podcast, very amusing, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. I've been hearing about some issues lately with Apple Podcasts and I believe some updates. So if the episodes aren't loading, if you don't have the newest episode at the top, I believe the best fix for this is to manually pull down to refresh the feed if you subscribe, which, duh, you should. You're already here. Make it easy on yourself. Let us entertain you weekly, please. We may, unsure yet, we may do a mailbag episode in the not-so-distant future. So now is the time to get those calls into 747 churros. We're potentially doing it because there are so many calls, so I probably shouldn't be asking for more, but the more the merrier. I can answer all of them in one go and get you the answers to the questions or thoughts or problems that you are facing as soon as possible. I always want to say preguntas. I don't know. It's the, the only Spanish word that I remember more than English from learning it in school, but if you have any preguntas, I I'm happy to answer. This podcast was edited sophisticatedly by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, honey, it's mom. Who is Conk? Conk? I looked him up. I have never seen that before. I don't know who that is. But I'm glad he's Jewish and he's eating kala. That's kind of nice. Anyway, I definitely enjoyed today. You know how I love anything about Club 33. And I do sport a cute little hat with the number 33 on it. Thanks to you. I love it so much. And um, as far as the Disney cruises, that was the time of my life. Chink Tere. That's what it was. And that was gorgeous. And we went in Rome and we went to Barcelona. It was just one beautiful, beautiful place after another. And I liked that almost as much as the Danube River cruise at Christmas. That was cold, but that was amazing. Anyway, another great podcast. I'm very proud of you, and I hope to talk to you soon. I love you. Bye. Hi, honey. It's me again. I forgot one thing. Regardless, next year, if you're going somewhere really, really cold or a warm destination, I am packed with two different suitcases, one for cold, one for hot. I'm ready to go. Love you. Bye.